Hi there. I'm Mark Swallow, and I'm glad you are joining me for today's God Is podcast. Let's get started learning who God is. Thank you for joining me today from wherever you are and by however you listen as we meet together coast to coast here in the United States and all the way around the world. We return now to our ongoing conversation about the providence of Almighty God, specifically how God directs the actions of everyone and everything he has created, and how he does so for his own honor and glory. Yesterday we saw in the Bible how the Lord never causes sin, and God never approves of sin. But God does permit sin, and God also directs sin. He certainly restrains and limits sin, and he overrules sin. He does the same with evil, and of course, sin is evil. We've covered his permission and direction, as well as how he overrules. And I said something briefly at the end last time about the restraining or limiting power God exercises over sin and evil. Let me add a little scripture on this point, and then we're going into the Old Testament to meet someone who will capture our attention and focus us on the providence of God in action. God restrains and limits sin and evil, and he does this by the restraining power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God he does, because when the restraining power of the Holy Spirit is taken away from this earth in the end times, all hell breaks loose. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing about the coming Antichrist, and he writes about what restrains him now. And a little further along, he who now restrains, that is 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 6 and 7. And we Christians know the Holy Spirit is constantly restraining our proclivity towards sin. In Acts 7 and verse 51, Luke writes, quoting Stephen, You men who are stiff-necked, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. Ah, to resist the Holy Spirit means he is restraining or limiting them and us. We like to resist the Spirit when we live in our flesh. But we dare not resist God who holds us back, holds us down, and suppresses the evil that is within our minds, bodies, and hearts. Believers, the Holy Spirit of the living God lives in us. And part of how he ministers within us is to restrain and limit our sin. Let us not resist this ministry in us. I invite you to please keep this in mind as we proceed, and I will remind you of this. God never causes evil and sin, and God never approves of evil and sin. But God does permit it, and God also directs it. He certainly restrains and limits it, and he overrules it. And now we will see this in the true life story of a man in the Bible's Old Testament. His name is Joseph. Did you guess this correctly? Joseph's story, which is likely very familiar to most of you, is written in the book of Genesis. His story is found in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. And don't worry, we will not be covering this in detail. I just want to highlight in the text how God providentially directs the actions in Joseph's life, working all things together for the honor and glory of God. 
I hope you will follow along with me in your Bible and even that you will read all of Genesis chapters 37 through 50 in due course. To grasp this second aspect to the providence of God and to watch God use even evil and sin, become very familiar with Joseph. And the first thing I want you to notice about Joseph is how God directs the actions of Joseph's popularity and personality. Let's pick up our Bibles now and do some reading in Genesis chapter 37. I'll begin just with verses 1 and 2. This is Genesis 37, 1 and 2. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth. Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. That was Genesis 37, 1 and 2. Here we meet Jacob, who is the father of Joseph, and at this time, ten other sons. And Jacob and his family are now in the land of Canaan. And here is Joseph, and he's young, just 17 years old. Along with his brothers, they pasture the flock. They're shepherds. And lastly, we learn that Joseph gave a bad report about his brothers to their father, Jacob. As to whether or not this was a report Jacob asked for, we are not told. Verses 3 and 4 of Genesis 37 gives us more details. Just before I read this, you need to know that Jacob was renamed Israel. God renamed Jacob Israel in Genesis chapter 35. Now we get back to the reading in Genesis 37, verses 3 and 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Ah, the plot thickens. Take note that Joseph was deeply loved by his father. Joseph is very popular with his dad. In fact, Israel loved Joseph more than all the other brothers. And out of his love, he made Joseph this now famous very colored tunic. And you should know this made quite a statement, not because it was colorful, but because the one to whom it was given was marked out to be the future leader of the household. So Israel is sending a strong message. You, Joseph, are the future leader of this family. Well, as a result of this, Joseph's brothers hated him, Their hatred was so strong they could not even talk to him on friendly terms. We can relate to this, right? You and I both were born into families. We had no choice in the matter. None of us chooses who our parents are. God makes that choice. And I believe the Lord providentially puts us in certain households. Some of us here relate to Joseph. We are our parents' favorite. Others of us will relate to the brothers. We are not our parents' favorite. In fact, one or both of our parents may despise us. The other reality here that we can all relate to is conflict in the family. There is not a family anywhere on the planet that does not have internal trouble. 
Wow, this is what's great about the Bible. God is always so honest with us about the dysfunction, the sin, and the evil in the family unit. Just read Genesis and you'll find there are so many problems. These first people were just like, just like us. Or we are just like them. Okay, flag this. In the providence of God, Joseph is popular with his father, Israel. And let me ask this. Is this Joseph's fault? Should Joe be blamed because old Israel loves his boy? I say no. To me, these are just the circumstances. And God is going to providentially use this reality of Joseph's popularity with his father, Israel. And remember, Israel is Jacob. In fact, one of the results of being so deeply loved by his father was that Joseph developed into a self-assured personality. Joseph is a confident, even overly confident, young man. In verses 5 through 11 of Genesis chapter 37, his strength of personality comes shining through. And I want to read this to you in one shot, and then I'll make a few comments. I'm reading now Genesis 37, verses 5 through 11. Listen for Joseph's self-assured personality. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Joseph is a dreamer, which, as we will see, also fits the providence of God. And he has two dreams, both of which reflect him standing and everyone in his family and everything else, sun, moon, and stars, bowing down to him. And if you wanted to read Joseph here as being prideful, cocky, and arrogant, I won't blame you. That's certainly how his brothers received him. Even his father rebuked him. But I think this is more reflective of Joseph's personality. Even at a young age, he was a self-assured, strong, and confident person. And of course, yes, he is this way because his father loved him. It is particularly important that sons receive love from their fathers. When a father loves his children, the children flourish and often develop self-assured personalities. Is God actively involved in shaping our personalities? 
I say yes. This is God directing the actions of all of us. When we are made, we have a certain personality, and God does this so that he can mold and shape us, providentially directing our actions for God's ultimate praise. God is intimately involved in personalities. And we'll see this as the story develops here with Joseph on tomorrow's God Is. Thank you for listening to this God Is podcast. Drop me an email and tell me what you think. Mark at GodIsMinistry.org That's Mark at GodIsMinistry.org Please do share this with others and be sure and join me for the next one.